This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Grab your Bibles this morning, turn to Psalm 34. We're continuing our third week of our online-only series. It's an online exclusive entitled Hope from the Psalms. Uh, if you've missed any of the messages so far, you can always get caught up on our website at huikala.org uh, or huikala.church uh, during this time. Uh, our huikala.org site is on pause until all this craziness blows over. Uh, until then, you can get up-to-the-minute information at huikala.church, uh, and you can uh, log in there, click on the... Uh, live stream tab. You have all the messages from previous weeks there available uh, to watch or to listen to. But my favorite way to catch past messages is the Hui Kala app. Uh, we got a brand spanking new app just last week. And if you haven't downloaded it yet, uh, go do that now. Uh, it's an awesome way to stay caught up with the services and, and current events that we have going on here at the church. There's actually a calendar tab of upcoming events where you can look at all the events we got on the calendars. That's got all of our upcoming online meetups and Zoom calls. There's a button where you can click to add it to your calendar. It'll even add the link uh, to our weekly calls there uh, in your calendar for you. And so I'd encourage you, uh, grab a hold of that. And I, I know for a fact that will be an encouragement to you. Psalm 34 is where we find ourselves today. I've entitled today's message, Hope in God's Deliverance. And as we look through this passage of Scripture this morning, I think you'll see why. Psalm 34, verse number one. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. The poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days, that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good and seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off their remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all of his bones, not one of them is broken. The evil shall slay the wicked and they shall hate the desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. As we look at this passage, we see one word that continues to come up again and again and again. It's the word deliver. Our God has promised to deliver us out of our troubles, our trials, our tribulations. He's promised to be faithful time and time and time again. But if we look at this passage this morning, we'll see that God does his part. And really, do we ever have to worry about that? God always does his part. 
But then you and I have to do our part as well. What is our part? I'm glad that you asked that. We'll take a look at it this morning. Take a look at verse number one uh, this morning in our passage. And if you're taking notes, and I highly recommend that you do, jot these thoughts down this morning. First of all, for Christians, praise is a way of life for us. Praise is a way of life for us. We live in a society today where it's very easy to be negative and very easy to complain. You and I can find 10 million reasons to complain. This past week on our Thursday night uh, Zoom call that we had online, Angela and I were talking with uh, probably, I don't know, 50, 60 folks from our church family. And uh, the question that we asked was, what is something good that's come out of this? And all of us had a reason to praise and we all had something good to say as a result of all this craziness that's going on. None of us would have hoped it. None of us would have wished it. Some of the folks even on the call uh, on Thursday night had just uh, received notice that week that they lost their job. But everybody had a reason to praise. You know why? For us as Christians, we need to praise. I don't know about you, but for me, it's really easy to find fault in things. I'm the type of person that can walk in a room and see a light bulb that's out or a stain on the carpet somewhere or uh, a chair that's in a row that's tilted just a smidge to this side. Uh, Some people call it being detail-oriented. I think it's probably some kind of sickness. But I can find any reason to complain. I guarantee you that. Even beautiful weather that we have in Honolulu, sometimes you can complain that it's too hot or uh, too uh, cold sometimes in the wintertime. Believe it or not, anything below 68 degrees is freezing cold. You should break out a hoodie for that. All of us can find a reason to complain. And in our current situation in our country and really in the world today, all of us have a reason to complain, all of us. But you know what? For us as Christians, we always have a reason to praise. It doesn't matter how bad it gets. doesn't matter how dark the night is. doesn't matter how uncertain the terms. We always have a reason to praise. If you take a look at verse number one, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. You see, for us as Christians, we praise at all times. If you've ever had the opportunity to go to a good Christian funeral, when I say good Christian funeral, it means that there can be bad Christian funerals for sure. But a good Christian funeral, someone who's walked the walk and talked the talk is always an encouragement to be around because you hear of the faithfulness of God and the good things he's done. There's a lot of praise going on there. Not a lot of lamenting, but a whole lot of praise about God's goodness, God's grace, God's faithfulness and how uh, God's life transformed a sinner and made him something else. It's exciting to be a part of. So we can praise in difficult times like a funeral. This week, uh, one of our uh, members of our church called and she said, Pastor, I lost my job. She said, but I know God's gonna take care of me because he always does. I'm not really all that concerned about what's gonna happen because God's faithful. And I love that spirit of uh, uncertain times. Bad things might have happened to me. Other people might have reason to complain, but I have a reason to praise today. Another one of our single ladies uh, sent me an email this week. She says, Pastor, I got laid off uh, this week, but I'm actually really excited because every time uh, that I've gone through a difficult time in my life, God showed himself stronger and stronger and stronger, and it's only strengthened my faith. And you know what? I love that spirit. You know why? Because we as Christians get the opportunity to praise at all times. Paul in Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice Well, easy for Paul to rejoice. He had uh, tons of friends and everything went his way and uh, God used him to write the majority of the New Testament. Uh, God used him to see Jesus Christ face to face even after his resurrection. Yeah, easy for Paul. Well, actually, Paul was writing this as a prison epistle. That means a letter from prison. 
where Paul was actually locked up for doing exactly what God told him to do. And you know what he said? Friends, you've got a reason to rejoice, and I do too, and rejoice in the Lord always. And in case you didn't hear me, again, I say rejoice. You got a reason to praise this morning, I guarantee it. But I love what verse number one says as well. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Think about that. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. We've always got a reason to praise. God's always been faithful to us. He's always been good to us. And we have always have a reason to praise and not just a reason to praise, but we should always be praising. His praise is continually gonna be in my mouth. Take a look at Psalm 71, verse number 20. It's in your notes this morning if you had the chance to download those. If not, uh, flip over there in your Bible, just a few psalms over to Psalm 71, verse number 20. Thou which hast showed me great and sore troubles. <laughs> great way to start that passage off, huh? God, you have, who have allowed me to see very, very, very difficult things in my life shall quicken me or make me alive again and shall bring me up again from the depths of the earth. I love that. I love it, love it, love it. You know what he says? Hey, I've seen some difficult things, but you're gonna make me alive again just like you did the time before. You're going to bring me up from the depths again just like you did before. And all you have to do is sit back and remember the faithfulness of God and what he's brought you from, where he's brought you to, and all that he's done for you so far to say, God, I think you've got this. I can trust in you. You're faithful. But the psalmist isn't done. Thou shalt increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. But I will also praise thee with this psaltery even thy truth, O my God. Unto thee will I sing with the harp, O thou holy one of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto thee, and my soul which thou hast redeemed. Part of the reason why we sing as Christians because it is praise unto God. It's an opportunity for us to speak of God's greatness, to worship his majesty together, to be able to sing for some of you, it might have been awkward this morning to sit on your couch in your living room and sing with people in the room. Some of you, I hope this wasn't you, but you sit and watched all of the singing or you paused it and fast-forwarded it so you wouldn't have to listen to it and you just didn't sing. Don't miss out on that. We don't splice music into the video so that, that it'll uh, just fill up a little bit of time. In case you haven't noticed, I don't have a problem filling time up. We do that because we want to worship together. We want to praise God together. You think about that, my Jesus, my Savior. Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My shelter, my tower of refuge and strength. Let every breath and all that I am never cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the king. Mountains bow down and seas will roar at the sound of your name. 
I sing for joy at the works of your hands forever. I'll love you forever. I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. Man, that's a song from my heart that I can sing to the King of kings and Lord of lords and praise to him. Why? Because he's been faithful. Verse number 24 in Psalm 71, my tongue shall also talk of thy righteousness all the day long. For they are confounded, they are brought into shame that seek my hurt. All I'm gonna do is just continue to tell people, anybody that'll listen, how good you are. And friend, as we face difficult times as a nation, there's one thing that's in short supply these days, it's hope. And we've got it. 66 books full of hope. Just the Psalms. All you had was the Psalms. Somebody asked you one time if you were stuck on a deserted island and you had no other book of the Bible, what would you choose? Psalms. Easy. No brainer. It's also easy because if you're stuck on a deserted island, there's 150 of them. That'll keep you busy for a while, right? I guess you could choose First and Second Chronicles. That'd keep you busy for a really long time. But I'm talking about something that'll help you. The book of Psalms. If all you had was one book, the Psalms. When people call me and say, Pastor, I'm struggling with X, Y, or Z. What should I read in the Bible? The Psalms. The second that we got word uh, of the way things were going and the ability of us not to be able to meet, we immediately rally around the Psalms because there's hope here, there's praise here, there's worship here. Go back to Psalm 34, though, which which is our text this morning. Verse number three, O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. See, magnifying Jesus is a team effort. I don't think it was any coincidence because God doesn't do coincidences that our theme this year as a church was magnify Jesus. And we can't just show up every Sunday and show up every Wednesday and just sit in a chair and do our part and magnify Jesus. That's never worked and that was never the plan of our church. And so I love what God has done and given us the opportunity to say, oh, you wanna magnify me? Great, you're not allowed to come in the church building. You're not allowed to gather together with other Christians. So magnify me now. Well, that's gonna be a little bit difficult. No, 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 it's not. This is God's plan. This is what he wants us to do. But it's a team effort. And so while we can't gather together physically, we can't just disconnect from one another either. We gotta do this together. It's a team effort. You see, we build community not only because we need it, but we build community because it magnifies Jesus and it glorifies God. That's why we are the church the way that Jesus intended. Talking with some folks this past week on one of our uh, small group calls, I told them, I don't know how people without the Lord make it through seasons like this. I don't know how people without a church family make it through seasons like this. I would be, if I didn't know the Lord, I didn't have the promises of God's word, I didn't have a church family to lean on, I'd go nuts. I'd be flipping out. I'd wonder how long is this going to last? Am I going to die? What happens when I die? Where do I go? I would be nervous as a cat that I was going to catch some virus, that I was going to die. But you know what? I'm not concerned about any of that because I know I have exactly how many days on this earth that God intends. And if it's my time to go this week, I'm ready. 
I know for sure my sins are forgiven. I know for sure that heaven's my home. I know for sure that God will take care of my family and my church family. And I am at peace because I have the promises of God's word. You see, community is built to glorify God and to magnify Jesus. And as a community, as a church, we praise together. I hope you'll take some time this week and text a couple people you know in our church or send somebody a Facebook message or shoot somebody an email and say, hey, what's something good God's done for you this week? I think you'll be encouraged. Oh, you can talk to your unsaved neighbor about things to complain about. You can talk to the guy at 7-Eleven about things to, to complain about. You can get online and find any Facebook group in the world to complain about stuff. I'm talking about finding people to praise with because we magnify Jesus together. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So praise for us as Christians, it's a big deal. But secondly, we see in this passage, verses four through five, that God is a burden lifter. He's a burden lifter. Look at verse number four. I sought the Lord and he heard me. And he delivered me from all my fears. Is that word deliver again? They looked unto him and they were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. Take a look at verse number four. I love this. I sought the Lord and he heard me. I'm thankful that we have a God who hears. I'd hate to imagine praying and wondering if God was listening. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I've been like that. It's a terrible, terrible time where you pray and you pray and you pray and you feel like heaven's silent. You want God to move, but God's not moving. You cry out, but you hear nothing back. You pray and you feel like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. I've been there, I've done that, I've, I've been there before. But please understand, friend, if you're there today, God is listening, I guarantee you that. He's hearing, he's listening. But I'm thankful that he's not just hearing, he's present, he's watching, and he's listening. He's present, he's watching, he's listening. Friend, none of this takes God by surprise. None of it. He sees it. He sees you today. I want to encourage you. Reach out to people during this time. I know I keep saying that. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but you got to connect with people during this time. I texted somebody probably three months ago that uh, hadn't been to church in probably a year. I said, hey, you were on my mind today. I believe the Holy Spirit brought this person to my mind. And I said, I just want to let you know, I was thinking of you and praying for you. And they sent a message back and says, you'll never know what that means to me. I just prayed this morning, God, would you let me know if you see me? And then I hear from you out of the blue. Months since I had talked to this person. They said, just this morning I was praying, God, if, if, if you hear me, I want you to show yourself today. I want you to know that you see me. Friend, God sees you. I promise you that. He not only sees you, but he's present, he's watching, he's listening, he's waiting. Psalm 34, verse number 15, says the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. God knows exactly what you're going through. He hears every cry that you have. He hears every prayer that you have. He knows every need that you have and he knows that he's acting accordingly. Again, uh, sometimes I wonder, hey, God, where are you at in all this? God, could you show yourself? Could you let us in on your big plan that you got? Because I know you got a plan, and I trust it. But could you, like, let me in on what's going on with that? Because I'm confused. 
I'm not sure why this is happening. But we have to trust him. The Bible says there's not a single bird that falls from the sky that, G, that, that God is not keenly aware of. That he does not know what's happening. He says all the hairs on our head are numbered. And God knows our needs before we ever even pray. But he still wants to hear from us. He still wants communion with us. He still wants to spend time with us. And here's a thought as I look through this passage uh, as well. He also delivers us from all fear. Take a look at verse number four. Sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. You see, he doesn't just deliver us from most of our fears. He doesn't just deliver us from the majority of our fears. He delivers from all fear. You know why? Because the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy verse number one, uh, chapter number one, verse number seven, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. You see, I don't have to fear because fear is not from God. And know this, friend, in this time, there's only one person who wants you to doubt the truth of God's word, one, and that's the devil. The devil wants to cause fear. The devil wants to cause doubt. The devil wants you to look at this and go, hmm, I'm not really sure God's gonna keep his end of the bargain. I'm not really sure if God's gonna do his part. The devil wants you to do that. You know why? Because he's a liar. And fear comes from disbelief in the promises of God's word. And that's why the Bible says, God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I have a sound mind, you know why? Because the Bible says that I'm to submit my every thought unto the authority of God's word. I can have a sound mind because I know that God's at work. I know that God's moving. I know that God's given me his promises to keep my mind sure steady upon him. God's given us love, the love of Jesus Christ in our hearts to share with other people. I don't have to be fearful because I can love. I don't have to be fearful because I can serve. I don't have to be fearful because I have the love of Jesus Christ in me that is bursting at the seams to get out and make a difference in this world that needs hope. But friend, I also have the power that comes from God. Where does the power come from? It comes from God's power. We took a look at last week in verse number uh, Psalm 16, how the Bible tells us that uh, God is at our right hand because we've set him before us. Uh, the right hand is a hand of power, a, pow a hand of strength. And we have the power of God available to us. Why? Because we have the spirit of God in us. If we are a child of God, so he delivers us from all fear. Friend, if you have fear, I want you to submit that to God today. God, I no longer want to be fearful. I want to trust you at your word. I want to believe wholeheartedly that you are in charge. I want to believe you that you are my father who cares for me, and I submit my fear to you today. I love the fact that he takes our burden as well. Take a look at verse number five. They looked unto him, and they were lightened, and their face faces were not ashamed. See, he takes our burden from us. I'm thankful that whatever burden we feel like we need to carry, we don't have to carry it anymore. I'm thankful that whatever is on our shoulders that we feel like is weighing us down, we can give that to God. Philippians chapter four, verse number six, be careful or don't worry about anything, but in all things, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. Stop there for just a second. You know what that says? Stop worrying and just pray. Don't worry about anything, but by all things, everything, 
with prayer and supplication. That means go to God and pray and tell him what you need. And thank him in advance for it. With thanksgiving, make your request be made known unto God. Here's a beautiful part, verse number seven. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. That verse, we don't have time to unpack all that today, but just know this. It says that God's gonna give you a peace that passes all understanding. You cannot understand, you cannot explain this peace, but God is, is faithful. And this peace that he gives you passes all understanding. You cannot imagine it. You cannot fathom it. You cannot explain it. But here's what it says at the end of verse number seven. Take a look at this. And it shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That word keep means to grab a hold of and arrest. That if I pray and submit my fear to God, submit my burdens to God. The Bible says that he will take them from me. He will give me a peace that passes all understanding and it will arrest my thoughts. Keep my heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Oh, what am I gonna do? Oh, oh yeah, I forgot. I can't worry about that. Well, what's gonna happen with it? Not, I, I just remembered, I can't worry about that. Oh my goodness, on the news, they're talking about, actually, I'm just gonna turn the news off because I can't think about that right now. I really need to take captive, grab a hold of, arrest my thoughts because God is giving me a peace that passes all of my understanding. He takes our burden from us. If we take a look at verse number seven in our text this morning, Psalm 34, seven, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. There's that word deliver again. I love it, love it, love it. You know, when we find in the Old Testament the angel of the Lord, uh, most Bible scholars, and I would agree with this, believe that this is a Christophany. It's an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ prior to his incarnation in Bethlehem's manger. Christophany, Old Testament picture of Jesus Christ. And the angel of the Lord, many times people believe uh, that is the G Jesus Christ himself, a Christophany. But notice what it says here in verse number seven, the angel of the Lord, what does he do? He encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. That means this, friend, Jesus is with us. He's with us. And I love the idea that it has here, verse number seven, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about. I like the idea of setting up camp with Jesus. And where do we set up Jesus' tent? In this case, he's encamped round about us. He's on every side. I don't know if you've ever gone camping out in the wilderness before, but uh, generally when you set up your tents, you want to set them uh, in an area maybe where all the tents face the middle or maybe point it away from an area where there are bears or, or uh, wildlife and things like that that might come into the camp and things like that. Uh, you want a, a place of security you know what Jesus says? I got you on every side. Encamped round about us. We took a look at last week how the Lord is ever before us, but Jesus and his protection, he's all around us because he is our protection. He's our protection. He's with us. He's round about them that fear him. That word fear doesn't mean be afraid of because God's not giving us a spirit of fear. It's speaking of a holy reverence, a worship, an honor, a respect of who he is. And if I claim God to be my God and my Father, I have a fear, a respect for him, a love for him. And the Bible says if I do that, that Jesus is with me and he's my protection. But he also delivereth them. You see, Jesus is our deliverance. He's our deliverance. If you're listening to this today, 
There's never been a time in your life where you've had your sins forgiven. Listen up. This is the most important thing you'll hear in your life. All of us are going to die one day. And the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. And the question that I have is, are you ready to see God? You see, when you get to heaven, there won't be this big scale up there where they put your, your good on one side and your bad on the other and see which one outweighs the other to determine whether you get into heaven. There's no St. Peter there. There's no opportunity for you to give an argument. The Bible says that when you stand before God, there's one book that gets open. It's called the book of life. If your name is there, you go to heaven. If your name is not there, you go to hell. Those are the only two options. And the Bible says that none of us by default, our names are written in that book of life. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I've sinned against God. You've sinned against God. We've broken God's law, not once or twice, but really just about every opportunity that we get. We do our own thing. We go our own way. And the Bible says that our sin has a price that must be paid. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. You and I will die a physical death one day, and then we'll stand before God. And if your name is not written in that book of life, you're cast into hell for all of eternity. The Bible says this is the second death. And I deserve to go to hell because of my sin. You deserve to go to hell because of your sin. It's not a matter of how bad it is or what you've done or I haven't really done anything that badly. The Bible says that if any man offended in one point of the law, he's guilty of it all. It doesn't matter if you've told one white lie or you've murdered 10 people. The Bible says that you're guilty before God and you sin and you'll pay for that sin only one price, death. That's it people say, well, why would a loving God send people to hell? God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. The Bible says that God's not willing that any should perish. So he sent his son Jesus to pay that price for you. You see, Jesus came and he lived a perfectly sinless life. And this Friday night, we're going to celebrate our Good Friday service. This Friday at 7 p.m. Uh, here at huicala.church or online at our Facebook Live, you can watch our Good Friday service. And it seems to be a strange thing to do on a Friday night at 7 o'clock to celebrate the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. But we can't celebrate the resurrected Savior without first contemplating the death upon the cross. And so Jesus came and died on that cross for one reason, to pay for my sin and to pay for yours. And the Bible says if you'd be willing today to put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, that you can be saved Jesus came for one purpose and one purpose only, to die for our sins. So you've got to make a decision. I've got to make a decision. Who's going to pay for our sins? Oh, friend, you can if you'd like. You can die, spend eternity separated from God in hell for all of eternity. That will settle you up with God, but there's no second chances. There's no getting out. Or if you'd be willing today to put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you'd be willing to say, God, I was wrong about my sin and you were right. I'm asking you to forgive me my sin and to save me. The Bible says that Jesus would save you today. And that payment that he made on the cross immediately applied to your account. And the beautiful thing is God gets out his pen and he writes your name in that book of life. The Bible says no man can take your name out of that book once it's in there. Do you know for sure that you're saved you say, well, I'm kind of working on another way to heaven. The Bible says that no man shall enter the kingdom of God unless he's born again. You must be saved. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus says, I'm the only way to heaven. There's no alternate route there. And friend, you're either saved by Jesus and on your way to heaven, or you're sitting in your sin 
and you're on your way to hell. Those are the only choices that you have. Allow Jesus to lift your burden today. He's our deliverance, and he's worthy of our trust. You can trust him. God's word is true. His promises are true. John chapter 3 says that if any man believe on the Son, he hath life. And any man that believeth not on the Son hath not life, but the wrath of God abides on him. You know what that means? Put your faith in Jesus and you can have eternal life. But if you don't put your faith in Jesus, you will not see life. And God's wrath, his punishment is coming for you. That's not a threat. I just wanted you to know that's where you stand. And I know this is a little bit of a different medium to be able to hear that message. But I would tell you this, friend, if you have questions about that, send me an email, pastor at whoecallit.org. If you have more in-depth questions, I'd be happy to set up a, a Zoom video conference call with you to talk about how you can know for sure your sins are forgiven and heaven's your home. It's that important. It's the most decision you'll ever make in your entire life. Are you saved? He's worthy of your trust. But here's where some people get things a little bit wrong. Following Jesus does not exempt us from difficulty. Oh, friend, it's not a matter of follow Jesus and all your problems go away. I absolutely detest and abhor any flavor of Christianity that makes it seem like uh, if you follow Jesus, everything automatically gets fixed, all of your problems go away, and it's only good times from here on out. That couldn't be further from the truth. Is Jesus the answer to what ails your marriage? No doubt about it, but it requires you to do things his way and walk in humility. Is Jesus the best way to, to raise your children? No doubt about that, but it requires you to follow his guidelines and walk in humility. Well, will Jesus help me get ahead at work? I don't know if it'll help you get a promotion or not, but I'll tell you this, his way is always the best way. But the idea that following Jesus automatically fixes all your problems is not a biblical idea. If we take a look at verse number 19 in Psalm 34 this morning, I love what David says here. Verse number 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many. Not, not like, oh, every now and then the, the, the good folks, the righteous, the Christians, every now and then they'll have problems. No, no, no. Many are the afflictions we're not talking about small bumps in the road. We're talking about driving the car off the cliff and not knowing how things are going to work out. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. And then somebody would say, well, why would I want to follow Jesus if, all, if there's going to be many afflictions? Because you're going to see many afflictions whether you follow Jesus or not, but Jesus is the better path. You can walk this path alone by yourself or you can walk it with the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, creator of the universe who knows your name, who died for your sins. Your choice, totally up to you, but I can promise you which is the better path to walk. You know why? Because verse number 19 is a promise. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Let me just stop you there for a second and say that is a promise from God's word as well. Stop for just a minute and understand the Christian life is not all rainbows and unicorns. It's hard. And the Bible promises many are the afflictions of the righteous. That's a promise. But the promise isn't over yet. Look at verse number 19. But the Lord deliver him out of them all. There's that word deliver again. How much of my affliction do I get delivered from? All of it. Not part of it, not most of it, not a good percentage of it, 
all of it. Many afflictions are coming, Christian, but just know this, he will deliver you out of them all. 1 Thessalonians chapter number three, verse number three and four says, no man should be moved by these afflictions. Paul's writing to the church at Thessalonica and says, hey guys, don't be troubled by this hard stuff that's coming your way. For you yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. Paul's writing to this church and says, guys, don't be, don't be sweating these difficult times. You know that they were supposed to come. Hui Kala, I'm telling you, don't be sweating these difficult times that have come. You knew they were coming. We've been sounding the alarm. We've been telling you difficult times are coming. Last fall, we taught a series entitled Affliction. The very first Sunday, I said this. If you're currently going through a trial, raise your hand. People raise their hand. If you've currently just come out of a trial, raise your hand. So people raise their hand. If you're right in the middle of a trial, raise your hand. People raise their hand. For those of you that didn't raise your hand, just get ready because you're getting ready to go into a trial. Just know that. If difficult times aren't here now, they're coming down the road. And friend, we're here where everyone is having difficult times. Everybody. So what do we do? We trust in the Lord. He says, you yourselves knew that we were appointed there, and too, for verily when we were with you, we told you before that you should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and you know. I told you tough times were coming, and guess what? They're here. That's what Paul said, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Again, the idea that following Jesus makes all of our problems go away just isn't, isn't true. Some fine Christian people I knew this week lost their jobs. Some fine Christian folks that I knew this week aren't going to be able to make rent this month. Some fine Christian folks I know that have worked hard, that have been faithful, that have trusted in Jesus, that have been generous with every dollar that God's ever given them are facing job loss. But you know what they say? I trust the Lord. I'm gonna follow him. You know what's interesting is they were prepared for difficult times. They knew that it was coming. This is another reason why I absolutely cannot stand prosperity gospel teachers because the prosperity gospel, the idea that Jesus came to deliver you from sickness, to deliver you from poverty, to deliver you from a lack of material wealth, that couldn't be further from the true gospel. Your number one problem is not that you're broke. Your number one problem is not that you're sick. Your number one problem is not that people don't like you. Your number one problem is your sinful condition and Jesus came to deliver you from that once and for all because that's the problem. Where are all of the faith healers now? For those who claim to be able to rent out the Blaisdell and perform their healings, where are they now in the midst of a coronavirus? Why don't we send a truckload of faith healers to New York City and just wipe out all the coronavirus cases there? You know why? Because they're fake, phony charlatans that do not come in the name of Jesus. They come in the name of the devil. And they might think that they're doing the Lord's work, but one day they'll see God face to face and God will say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Where are the faith healers? Where are the prosperity teachers? Where are these that, that, that want a private jet during these times and want people to give to their television ministry so that they can drive nicer cars or live in a bigger mansion or buy a new Bentley? Where are those folks now when people are falling on hard times? If it were not so blasphemous, it would be funny. There's a false church in Southern California 
that proclaims to do uh, healings on demand. Now, just stop for a second. People say, well, don't you believe that God can heal? I believe God can heal anybody from anything. Uh, the Bible says if anybody's sick, call the elders together, uh, put oil on them, and pray for them. But the idea that anyone can lay hands on another human being and heal 100% of the time just isn't so. And anybody claims that is a liar and they're not from God. Automatic. This false teaching church in California that has healing services on Saturday actually put up a sign several weeks ago saying that their healing ministry was closed due to the coronavirus. Does that strike anyone else's strange? Wait, I thought that what you did was heal people from sickness, but you're not going to hold your healing services because of sickness? Well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. You know why? Because it's fake. And the devil's coming along to try to steal people's, here comes the word, hope. Oh, they're putting their hope in a false church. They're putting their hope in false promises. They're putting their hope in a God that exists to give them everything that they want, to give them money, to give them a better car, to give them a better career, to promote them at work. That's why God exists, to shower you with your idols. God's not really God who desires glory and worship. God's just another idol giver to you. They've created a false God, and it's satanic at the core. And so any brand of Christianity, so-called, that says that following Jesus makes all of your problems go away isn't real biblical Christianity. But friend, I can tell you this, following Jesus is the best decision you'll ever make in your entire life. Because while following Jesus does not exempt us from difficulty, following Jesus does guarantee our deliverance. Mm. Take a look at verse number 17. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Following Jesus guarantees our deliverance. Think about this for just a minute. We believe that God is sovereign. We believe that God knows the beginning from the end. We believe that none of this took God by surprise. And while it took many of us by surprise, God's not surprised by it. Next Sunday, I had uh, a vision in my mind of how this building would be filled to the brim with people, with people standing along the back coming to hear God's word preached on our Easter Sunday celebration. I had a picture of it in my mind, exactly what it was gonna be like. We had beautiful flyers printed up with a date, I was excited about our Good Friday service. I had in my mind what our Good Friday service was gonna look like. And guess what? None of that is gonna come to pass. You know why? Because it was my plan, not God's plan. We're living God's plan right now. It's God's plan that you'd be gathered together, maybe on your couch, watching this service, worshiping Jesus together with Christians all around the world. It's God's plan that maybe you're sitting alone at home by yourself listening to this message, hearing a message of hope that's gonna carry you throughout the rest of the week and the rest of your life if you'll really latch on to it. That's God's plan. But if God knows the beginning from the end and everything falls in line with God's purpose and plan, then that means that God has preordained your suffering. This can be a hard pill to swallow. God has preordained, he's already determined, he's already decided how you'll suffer through this. 
Because know this, we're all gonna suffer. How we suffer, God's already determined that. So friend, just know this, if your employment situation is unsure right now, just know that God's in charge of all that and he already knows how it all works out. If you're concerned about contracting this virus, just know this, God already knows whether or not you're gonna get it or not. There's nothing you and I can do to change that. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm gonna stop washing my hands or I'm not gonna be wise about being out in public and things like that. I'm not gonna just throw caution to the wind because God's in charge. God expects me to walk in wisdom, but God also already knows how this is gonna happen. God knows your financial situation, and if you're tight on finances, just know God knows that too because God has preordained your suffering. And while that might not comfort you, let me tell you this as well. If God has preordained your suffering, he's also preordained your deliverance. Let me say that one more time. If God has preordained your suffering, please understand he has already preordained your deliverance. In other words, this won't last forever. He will deliver you from this. That is a Bible promise. You can trust him. John 16, verse 33. These things I've spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. This world's difficult. You're gonna have challenges in life, but just know I've already beat them all. I've already claimed victory over sin, death, the grave, this world. I got this, Jesus says. Don't sweat it. He's preordained your suffering, but he's also preordained your deliverance. This will come to pass. God will bring you through it. He will be faithful. You can trust him. But this promise of deliverance, it's what we refer to as a conditional promise, meaning God's gonna keep his end of the bargain. You've gotta keep your end of the bargain. It's a conditional promise. Take a look again at verse number 17. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Who cries? The righteous. Verse number 15, look at that. The eyes of the Lord are upon who? The righteous. And his ears are open unto their cry. Verse 17, the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Verse number 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. You see, our deliverance is dependent on our obedience. Notice there he promises to save the righteous. Well, who is the righteous? Those who do right according to God. The word righteous comes from the word right. Do what God says, and you can claim this promise. Proverbs chapter three, verse number five. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. If you're unsure of what to do in this time, just continue trusting in the Lord. Don't try to figure it out on your own. Just follow him. He'll direct your path. Psalm 18, verse number 18. They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, hath he recompensed me. You see, you follow after God. You do things his way. He's promised to deliver, guaranteed. Take a look at your verse in your notes at Psalm 18, verse number 18. 
Maybe flip a few pages back in your Bible, Psalm 18, 18. They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. He brought me forth also into a large place and he delivered me. Why did he deliver me? Because he delighted in me. And the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, hath he recompensed me. Why did God take care of me? Because I delighted myself in him, because I did things the right way. That's why God's word promises, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Put God first, do things God's way. He'll take care of the rest. That's a promise. So during this time, what do we do? I'm gonna do the right thing. I'm gonna choose to follow after Jesus. I'm gonna choose to mega dose on God's word. I'm gonna choose to walk the path that he has set before me, not in fear, but by faith. I choose to do that, and God says, I got this. Come to me, I'll take care of it. I cannot stress to you how much. This is not a time to go off script. This is not a time to go rogue. This is not a time to do your own thing. Oh, I was following Jesus until tough times come and then I bolted. No, 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 no. You can't do that. You gotta stay close to the shepherd during this time and Jesus is the shepherd. He's promised to protect you. He's promised to deliver you. He's promised even in Psalm 18 to lead you into a large place if you follow him. But please understand, please understand that our protection and deliverance are predicated upon following the path that God has set before us. Your protection and deliverance are predicated upon following the path that God has set before us. God's light lighted the path ahead of me. I gotta walk it. If I don't, I put myself in danger. I'll say that again. If you don't walk with Jesus by faith, you're placing yourself in great danger. Well, that's a pretty harsh thing to say, Pastor. I didn't say it, the Bible did. Take a look, if you would, at verse number 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto the, to their cry. But like, look at verse 16. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Just know this. You follow after the Lord, he's like, I got you, come on. I'll get you out of this. We'll move through this together. You want to go against God? Look at what 16 says. Verse 16, the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. You want to be enemies of God? Go for it. I'm not that brave. You want to go do your own thing during this time? You think, I got this? Feel free to do your own thing. The Bible says that God's face is against you and he's going to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. You're gone. You're dead to God and you can go your own way. That's a dangerous place to be, dangerous. But verse 17, the righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. You gotta follow the Lord. You gotta be obedient. You gotta to, to do things his way. If you do it, it'll work out. I promise you that. God's word promises you that. You don't need my promise for it. But in times of trial, it reveals what's already inside of us. I want to say that again. Times of trial reveal what's already inside of us. You see, the, the coronavirus didn't bring out the worst in you. 
The worst was already in you. The coronavirus pandemic fear mongering that's going on, all that other stuff, that just brought out what was already inside. And so for us, we have to follow after God. We have to do things God's way. Verse number 22 is another great promise. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants and none of them shall trust in him shall be desolate. Again, you want to go, go against God? Feel free, but verse number 21 says, evil shall slay the wicked and they shall hate the righteous and they shall be desolate. But you see, those who trust in God won't be disappointed. Take a look at verse number 22. It says, none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. That word desolate means without a place of refuge. If you put your trust in the Lord, he's gonna make sure that you're taken care of. He's gonna give you a place of shelter. He's gonna give you a place of protection. He's gonna give you a place of care. Just run to him. Just run to him. The Bible says you won't be disappointed. The fact of the matter is, is all of us run somewhere. Where are you running? When difficult times come, where do you run? I I hate to admit, but there were times in my life where when difficult times came, I ran to retail therapy, materialism. I thought buying stuff would make me happy. Buy a new TV, that would last for a couple of weeks. Buy a new surround system, uh, that would work for a couple of weeks. Take a vacation, that was fun until you had to go back to work. Maybe I'll buy another car. There was a period of time where we didn't keep a new, the same car for more than 90 days because that one was okay, but let's get something better. Oh, that one was all right, but we can get something nicer. And I found that that was very empty. Many times I ran to my work, found a lot of great uh, comfort in being a hard worker and, and being one of the best at what I, I did. And I ran to my work when difficult times would come in, lock myself in the office and just get stuff done. Times in my life where I ran to food. You have a bad day, you order a uh, large pepperoni pizza from Domino's and a two liter Mountain Dew, eat it all in one setting. I'm telling you this, that makes you feel great until about 45 minutes later. And you're thinking to yourself, I did not need those last four pieces of pizza. It's a terrible place to run to. You know what God says in difficult times? Run to me. I love what the book of James says, draw nigh unto God and he'll draw nigh unto you. If you take one step towards God, he comes running to you. It doesn't matter how long you've been away from God. It doesn't matter how faithful you've been to God. Just walk his direction, he's coming. You see, the story of the prodigal son is a picture of God and those who have left him and are coming back to him. When he sees the son coming, the father takes off running to the son. He doesn't sit back and wait and go, yeah, let's see if he comes back and really means it this time. No, he saw the son coming and he took off running for him. He threw his arms around him. God will do that to you if you'll walk towards him today. Will you run to him? You won't be disappointed. Psalm 9.9 says that the Lord will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in time of trouble. You might say, Pastor, I don't have a lot of trouble. This whole thing is just giving me a little bit more time with the kids, more opportunity to stay home, and the biggest problem that I got right now is uh, uh, cabin fever, not being able to get out of the house. The biggest problem I got you, homeschooling my kids right now. It seems like a little bit of vacation right now. Friend, please understand that while things might be sunny and cheery for you, some people are going through the storm of their life. And if things are bad now, buckle up, buttercup, because your day's coming. This might not be a trial for you, but know this, 
the world that we live in is in chaos. People are looking for hope. There's hope in Jesus and you'll never be ashamed. You'll never be disappointed, I promise you that. As we close out this passage this morning, I want to give you five quick thoughts before we head out. First of all, in this time and every other time in your life, seek the Lord. The idea of seeking the Lord means you're looking for him. You say, well, it's not hard to find, find God good. Continue to seek after him. I'm not content with just seeing a little bit of God. I want to see more of God. I want to know God more. I want God to know me so well that he can expose things to me that I need to see. I want God to, to use his word to examine me and show me where I'm wrong. I want to seek the Lord like never before. I want to hear from the Lord like never before. I was talking to somebody this past week who said that they were uh, struggling with anxiety through all this stuff that's going on. And I said, you watch a lot of TV and spend a lot of time on social media. Yeah, I do. Cut it out. Stop it. For me, uh, twice a week and twice a week only. I listen to what our mayor has to say because I want to know what's going on in our city and how that affects our church and our church family. Secondly, I listen to the governor uh, and all the folks that uh, work for him because uh, I want to know what's going on in our state. I want to be able to be able to be well-informed with what's going on, but I cannot afford, you cannot afford to just read everything that's on social media, follow every link that talks about the coronavirus, talk about uh, everything else that's going on. You can't afford it. You know what you need? You need to hear from the Lord. You need to trust in him during this time. And you hear from God through his word. Man, mega dose on the word of God during this time. Thirdly, trust in the Lord. It's one thing to hear from God's word. It's another thing to really trust in the Lord. It's one thing to say, yeah, God, I believe it. It's another thing to really believe it. We have to trust in the Lord this time. I believe God's word is true cover to cover and I'm gonna live like it. I'm gonna allow it to affect the way that I live my life on a day-to-day basis. I'm gonna allow God's word, I'm gonna trust it to such a degree that it changes my mind and the way that I think. That's how big of a deal this is to me. I want you to trust in the Lord. One of the men in our church has said something to me. He said it probably about a half dozen times since this whole thing started. And when we had our very first meeting as, uh, with the deacons and some of the men of our church to talk about what our options were and what we could do and how we could meet and how we could keep our people safe and stuff like that, this man said something that has stuck with me and hasn't left me. He said, Pastor, I refuse to be led by fear. And I thought, yeah, I'm with you. I refuse to allow my decisions to be fear-based. I, allow, I refuse to allow fear to tell me what to do. I refuse to allow fear to run the show that goes on in my head. I refuse to allow my heart to be led by fear. I choose faith. I choose trust in God's word. I refuse to be led by fear. Some of you need to do what I've done and write that on a three by five card and, and look at it on a regular basis. Maybe prop it up right beside your computer. I refuse to be led by fear. I shared that with our small group this past Wednesday night. It's been such a help to me. I refuse to be led by fear. I'm telling you this, there's a lot of fear going on in the world today. There's a lot. Of, all you have to do is turn on the news. All you have to do is read a couple of blogs. All you have to do is... Uh, Get the, in the rabbit hole of YouTube and it's going to tell you everything in the world that has created the coronavirus. 
you know what? I can't afford it and you can't either. Limit outside influence that wants to talk into your head, which goes to your heart. Megadose on the word of God. Allow the truth of God's word to permeate every fiber of your being and trust in the Lord. Seek the Lord, hear from the Lord, trust in the Lord, obey the Lord. Obey the Lord. God, you said it, I'm just gonna do it. I don't really understand it. I see that your word says that your eyes are upon the righteous, which is me, and your ears are open to the cry. I don't really feel that right now, God, but I believe it to be so, and so I trust you. Verse 17 tells me, God, that if I cry, you hear me and you're gonna deliver me out of all my troubles, not some of my troubles, but all of my troubles. I don't feel that right now, but I choose to believe you, so I'm gonna obey. I'm gonna do the right thing. I'm gonna follow your word. I'm gonna trust in you completely and I'm going to obey because obedience unlocks the blessings of God. Obey the Lord. Finally, run to the Lord. You see, we all run somewhere. We run to a place where we think that we can find deliverance. Many people in our church have had an experience of running to a bottle, trying to find deliverance at the bottom of a bottle, only to find that there's no help there. I have dear friends of mine that I love dearly who have tried to find Deliverance at the bottom of a bottle of pills. No deliverance found there. No, people who try to find deliverance from their troubles and maybe just working harder, maybe making a little bit more money, only find out a little bit more money wasn't enough and they maybe need to make a little bit more. That one degree that they thought would bring deliverance, uh, they really need an extra degree on top of that to make them stand out from their field. Uh, I want to get that promotion, but uh, uh, maybe I'm not going to get it. Maybe I should uh, switch career fields so I can get a better, better promotion over there, and that would deliver me, only to find there's nothing there. People look for deliverance in maybe another relationship. Well, my marriage isn't providing what I, I think it should for me, and so I need to find somebody, don't I deserve to be happy? I can find somebody that'll make me happy one day. No, 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 no. Deliverance won't be found in another relationship. Deliverance will be found in Jesus Christ. He is our deliverer, but you got to run to him. Don't run to all the other places. There's no hope there. Well, I know, I know somebody, they found deliverance there. You don't know the whole story, and it might not even be true. God's word, always true. Friend, I don't know what you're going through today, but I know this. God is watching, he's listening, and he's prepared to act on your behalf. I don't know, this might be some of the best times of your life. Um, Angela, uh, Angela spends time on social media trying to keep track of folks in our church and other folks that we uh, try to be a blessing to and stuff like that. And so she sometimes informs me of things that are going on on social media. And sometimes I have to say, I just can't handle that. Don't tell me that. And she was like, oh, I see so-and-so, uh, a friend of yours is a pastor. He's putting, uh, you know, puzzles together with his kids and playing in the backyard and uh, just built a brand new uh, swing set in his backyard out of lumber that he uh, cut himself out of a tree. Hey, look, I get it. That's not where I'm at right now. I can't allow what's going on with other people to, to impact what I'm trying to do. I can't allow other people's successes or failures to impact what I know to be true. 
We've got to run to God's word. This might be some of the best times of your life. This might be the darkest night you've ever gone through. Here's what I know, though. Follow after God. Everything works itself out. God has promised. He's given you his word. He'll deliver you out of all of your trouble. All of it. If I made you a promise today, I'm going to take care of your problems, whatever they are. You got financial problems, I'll pay your rent for you. I'll even cut you a check. You got marital problems, I'll fix your marriage for you. You've got problems with your kids, I'll take care of those for you. You got health problems, I'll, I'll, I'll get the best doctors in the world to take care of you. If I made you a promise like that, you might be willing to put some stock in the promises that I make. I said, hey, stop by the church on Wednesday at uh, 10 o'clock and I'll have a check ready for you. It'll take care of all your financial problems. You might put a little bit of hope in that. Why is it that when the God of the Bible says, I'll deliver you from all of your troubles, we go, hmm, does that mean like all of them? God, I know you promised that, but I don't really know how that all's gonna work. We would put our faith and trust in someone else, somewhere else, quicker than we would put our faith and trust in God. So a lot of talk about stimulus checks that are supposed to come out. A lot of people are putting their faith in that. I saw, uh, as I was skimming my news feed the other day, I, I saw an article, 10 ways to spend your stimulus check. I thought, heavens, nobody even knows when they're getting it, how much it's gonna be. Uh, you don't know nothing about nothing. People are always already talking about ways to spend it. If your hope to fix everything that's wrong right now is in the government, you will be sorely disappointed. If your hope to fix all of this is another person or another human being, if your hope to fix all of this is modern medicine, please understand you will be disappointed. But if your hope is in the Lord, you'll never be disappointed, ever. Most important thing in the world, if you're listening to this today and you don't know for sure that heaven's your home, please understand your problems are bad here. They're gonna get worse here. We took a look at last week, Psalm 16 says, the sorrows of them that run to other gods will be multiplied. It's bad for you. It's gonna get worse for you. And then when you die, it's gonna be worse than you can fathom because it's God's eternal wrath and judgment and hell. I don't want that for you. You don't want that for you. And most importantly, God doesn't want that for you. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for your sins. And if you're listening to this today and you don't know for sure that you're saved, please know you can be saved today. Put your faith in Jesus Christ as your savior. Confess to God your sin and you can be saved. But for those of us that call ourselves children of God, will you walk in righteousness this week? That puts you aligned with God's promise that his ears are open to the cries of the righteous, that he hears the righteous and delivers them out of all their trouble. That allows you and I to claim these promises that come from God's word. Verse number four is a sweet verse. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. I want to encourage you, walk in righteousness, spread hope this week. Hope is found in Jesus Christ. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to look into your word. We thank you for the fact that you're a God who cares and a God who saves. Help us to trust you more this week. 
God, I pray for those that are going through difficulties. God, you know their needs. And I pray that you would meet those needs as you see fit. Help us to hope in you, to trust in you, and to wait for your deliverance. God, you've promised to deliver us from all of our troubles. God, would you make good on that? We know that it doesn't work in our timetables that you can't deliver us from our fears this week or our troubles this week because we say it to be so. But God, you know how much we can handle and I pray that you would help us to hold on to the promises of your word and to trust in you for our complete and total deliverance. We thank you for your faithfulness in times of trouble. We thank you for your faithfulness in times of prosperity. And God, our commitment to you does not waver based on our circumstances. It stands firm based on the promises of your word. Father, we love you, and we ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.